From the hallowed hallways of Shed High School, from WSHDLP Eastport, this is Round the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane from Eastport, Maine. Stay tuned for historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world. Look out! Here comes somebody! Oh, good evening, sir. Yeah, I suppose you're wondering why we're here in your hen house. Uh, well, sir, the uh, town authorities and their wisdom have decided that they don't want the inhabitants of this burg to know about the colossal opportunity of a guaranteed return on investment with only a very modest outlay. Uh, sir, they, in their mental simplicity, have run us out and are chasing us down. But you, on the other hand, appear to be an intelligent sort. Thus, we'd be willing to let you into our select group of shareholders. The fact that we've happened onto your property means that this is your lucky day. And at no extra charge, if you act now, Cab Calloway will give us some 1931 trickeration. <laughs> Thank you. 
That was Trickeration, Cab Calloway in 1931. Well, Rex, we managed to escape that last town after someone discovered our Ponzi scheme. Yeah, Roy, but I told you it was only a matter of time before it caught up with us. All we needed was one investor to try to cash in where we couldn't cover it, and the whole town came after us with torches and pitchforks. Now, maybe we should change our names and try a new racket. What about the one where we pretend to sell counterfeit money? Oh, and then do a switcheroo and leave the poor suckers with blank pieces of paper? Yeah, and by the time they notice, we're long gone. Ah, yeah. And since it's against the law for them to try to buy counterfeits in the first place, what are they going to do? Call the police? And we're not the only ones looking for a new angle. Little Green says she's going to start a racket. Here she is in 1941. <laughs>
deserves another, they say. He who fights and runs away will live to fight on another day. I just fought with my baby. He ran away, you see. He lived to fight on another day, but not with me. Cause I know that my baby is cheating on me. He's not only cheating, but repeating, you see. But maybe my baby don't know that I'm cheating too. If he wants to meander, I'll let him run loose. What sauce for the gander is sauce for the goose. I'm betting I'm getting more petting than him, that's I don't think there's anybody that can do what my baby can do. Still, they say there's always somebody that starts when the others get through. And I know that my baby is cheating on me. He's not only cheating, but repeating, you see. But maybe my baby don't know that I'm cheating, too. Now, when this ever-loving papa started acting strange, of course, I cried and worried some about the change. But then when I found out that he was starting to cheat, says I to me, this primrose path is no one-way street. And since his average income is 4 a.m. or so, I've found a lot of pleasant ways to make an evening go. I know he doesn't know I know he's having his fling. But I've cheated cheaters 15 years. <laughs> He can't show me a thing. I know that my baby is cheating on me. Not only cheating, but repeating, you see. But baby, my baby, don't know that I'm cheating. A word to the wise is sufficient, they say. But I've got the word that he started to play. But he'll never catch up to this mama, I'm telling you. I know he's cute and attractive, and I know he knows it too. Well, I may not be so active, but he'll have to be more active to beat what this mama can do. And I know that my baby is cheating on me. He's not only cheating, but repeating, you see. But baby, my baby, don't know that I'm cheating too. I guess everybody's cheating everyone else today. That was Sophie Tucker in 1928. I know that my baby is cheating on me. And before her, Lil Green said, I'm going to start a 1941 racket. Well, Rex, I guess we wore out our welcome with that counterfeit money scam. Yeah, Roy. Time to put on our thinking caps and come up with a new swindle. How about if we set up on the street selling bars of soap? And then once we get a crowd, I'll, I'll unwrap one of the bars and... Put a hundred dollar bill around it and rewrap it. Oh yeah, and then we can swap all the bars around and take bets on which bar of soap has the money in it. Napoleon's emperors had the right idea in 1929. You can't cheat a cheater.
Boston is really on. Yes, time is hard, baby, and hustling is really on. Prices are high, darling, and all the good jobs are gone. Sorry to say, baby, things ain't what they used to be. The 1950 Hustle is On. That was T-Bone Walker and his orchestra. This was preceded by Napoleon's Emperors in 1929, who reminded us that you can't cheat a cheater. And you'll be pleased to note that we sold out of our bars of soap. In addition to the betting money we raked in on our soap scam, it was just a hop, skip, and a jump to selling these luxury watches with embedded diamonds. Yeah, why pay top dollar in these high-margin storefronts when you can get the same watch or fine jewelry right here from us at a fraction of the price. We can only offer these astounding opportunities for a very short time, so don't lose out, because frankly, we will be skipping town tonight before the so-called gold rubs off on your skin and the glass diamonds pop right out of their settings. Not to mention your skin breaking out from the 100% virgin vinyl so-called leather wristbands. But deception is everywhere. Alberto Reynal says his heart deceived him. El corazón me engaño. Here he is with Juan D'Arenzio y su orquesta típica from 1940. Thank you. 
Volveremos a vernos algún día Ya no puedo quererte, me dijiste El dejo de tu voz era tan triste Y yo tan triste estaba que callé Me detuve a mirarte, parecía Reflejada la muerte en tu mirada Y en vez de preguntarnos no dije nada Y así sin decir nada de fe Sabes, hermano, que todo en este mundo se olvida, es ley fatal de la vida. Me decía el corazón, pues al sentirme solo y al saber que te
That was Money Hustlin' Woman, recounted by Amos Milburn in 1947. Also, Alberto Reynal con Juan Dorencio y su Orquesta Típica told us El Corazón Me Engaño, My Heart Deceived Me, that recording from 1940. Well, our life of scammery continues. We escaped by the skin of our teeth before our Ponzi scheme came crashing down around our ears. Then we embarked on an itinerant life, going from village to town with a soap scam, taking bets on bars of soap with money wrapped around them. Then we were selling fake luxury watches and diamonds. And, well, I guess we're getting kind of lazy. Yeah, Rex, I think we should try something involving no actual product, like fake lottery tickets. Just have some printing fees. Not much more to it. No inventory to keep and haul around. Just sell tickets and take off for the next municipality with the dough in our pockets. Good thinking, Roy. And we have a couple crybabies here, starting with Warner's Seven Aces in 
a double-barreled dose of cheating on me. First we heard Warner's Seven Aces in 1925, then Jimmy Lunsford and his 1939 orchestra complained they were getting cheated on. Suckers. And we might as well mention that we eventually got bored selling those phony lottery tickets. Yeah, just, just for laughs, we rented a storefront in a remote town in Alaska, and now we're running a bogus telegraph office and charging through the nose for people to send messages to their loved ones. Only it'll be years before the telegraph lines actually get this far north. <laughs> we just tap merrily away, but the signals don't go anywhere. The 1940 New Orleans feet warmers will now step in to lay your racket. <laughs> Thank you. 
racket daddy, don't care what you do. Say your racket daddy, mama's watching you. I'm like that old wise owl, wise moves you make. I give up what I own, daddy for your sake. You are my hero in this story. Lord knows your heart's up if you ain't glory. Do it lightly, honey, throw your wild oats too. Say your racket daddy, mama's watching you.
the six blue chips in 1936. That was Cheatin' Cheech, before which the New Orleans feet warmers proclaimed, Lay Your Racket, recorded in 1940. You know, Roy, maybe it's time to lay down our rackets. We don't even know what to do with all this dough from these various scams. Well, maybe we should put it somewhere safe in some legitimate investments. Uh, funny you should mention that, Roy. I, I was just looking at this prospectus for a company that has developed a process for mining gold from seawater. A gentleman from Boston, a most reverend Prescott Ford Jernigan, has set up an operation in Lebec, Maine, utilizing the 20-foot tides found there. It uses some kind of electricity applied to mercury. We can give up this life of scammerosity and become fine, upstanding citizens with exterior demeanors of probity. It's settled then. We're closing down this fake telegraph office, heading off to the Bay of Fundy. In the meantime, here is Estrella del Ritmo from 1948, telling us, Yo no engaño a las I don't cheat.
We heard Yo No Engaño a Los Niños, I Don't Cheat, by the 1948 Estrellas del Ritmo. Then Eddie Elkins' 1922 orchestra played some tricks, which is just what happened to us. Yeah, guess what? We're broke! Yes, we met with the guy who actually has the international patent on mining gold from seawater, and of course we wanted to get in on the ground floor, so we handed over all our liquid assets. Then one night he just vanishes with all the investors' money, including our life savings of hard-earned cabbage. All those years of traveling around and poof, our giant nest egg gone in a second. We could just kick ourselves. Yeah, we, we, we've been conned. While the Dorsey brothers seem pretty cheerful about it, here's their Shim Sham Shimmy from 
butcher. Your father is a cook. Your sister is a cowgirl. And your grandpa's selling food. You got a bossy family, baby. Money seems to grow on trees. I'm gonna be nice to you, baby. Give some of that money to me. Your brother's planting peanuts. Your nephew got the plow. Your niece is toting water. And mama, you are milking cows. You got a hustling family, baby. Money seems to grow on trees. I'm gonna be nice to you, woman. Give some of that money to me. understand it your family works like bees you hold all the family money and you got a damn big eye for me you got a hustling family baby money seems to grow on trees i'm gonna be nice to you baby give some of that money to me The 1933 Dorsey Brothers Orchestra gave us the old Shim Sham Shimmy. Then Buddy Lucas and his 1952 Band of Tomorrow played Hustlin' Family Blues. Yeah, and funny they should mention Hustlin' because, because now we're reduced to pounding the pavement, looking for work, anything to put food in our stomachs. But we answered a Help Wanted ad for a guaranteed moneymaker. Yeah, polishing air castles. First we had to put down a deposit and buy our own tools and we've been waiting to hear back about any openings and in the meantime we're spending our time in the library where it's warm we were reading up on country music singer riley shepherd now there's a man after our own hearts he was a compulsive liar solicited investments to write an encyclopedia of folk music and took people's life savings didn't pay his bills passed himself off as a phd and he told women he was sterile, so now he has kids scattered all around, some of whom he doesn't even know about. Let's listen to him sing about a guilty heart. Here he is in 1946, billing himself as the cowboy philosopher. The world will never know the reason, the reason why I said we're through. They won't believe how much you've hurt me But your guilty heart knows that it's true Guilty heart, 
poor guilty heart You know you're guilty in your heart They won't blame you because we parted They'll point with shame at only me They'll say that yours was such a true love And that mine was heartless as can be Guilty heart, oh guilty heart You know you're guilty in your heart Sweet romance 
you gotta have a way of kissing You have to learn things in advance Or you will find there's a lot you're missing So if it's love you're seeking She will never weaken If you don't know how the game is played If you're a bashful lover You will soon discover You gotta know the tricks of the trade Crystal gazer, you've got to know the tricks of the trade. If you're a pantomime or a mountain climber, learn the ropes and you will make the grade. If you're a happy hobo or you play the oboe, you've got to know the tricks of the trade. So all you pick and shovel gents, and all of you who wear white collars, if what you're doing don't make sense, then it's a cinch that it wouldn't make dollars. So get to know her mother, try to like her brother, buy her dad the best cigars that made. Then if she leaves you, mister, you can date her sister. You've got to know the tricks of the trade. Edmundo Ros is on Orchestra de Rumbus, Tricks of the Trade. We also heard Riley Shepard, the cowboy philosopher, in 1946, sang about a guilty heart. And thus ends the musical portion of Round the World today. We followed scam artist Rex and Roy, who traveled all over the country in search of the gullible and the innocent, not to mention those looking to get something for nothing. Eventually, greed prevailed so that the scammers got scammed and wound up just like their victims. Now, don't you be mean to people like they were. This is Round the World. You can learn more about 19th and early 20th century scams at cracklinjane.com. We pause now for station identification. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. And welcome, dear friends, to Hour 2 of Round the World with Cracklin Jane. Now, speaking of scams, in 1952, the Better Business Bureau of Chicago cooperated with a radio station to produce the show Hello, suckers! To protect Chicago consumers and homeowners from crooks, cheats, schemes, scams, swindles, ripoffs, and rackets, here's an episode designed to protect racial minorities from real estate discrimination entitled The Big Buildup. So let's listen. Now we haven't any money left, we haven't got a decent place to live either. If it hadn't been for that Jip real estate company, we might at least have had our money. Hello. Hello. Hello, sucker. Station WMAQ presents Hello, Sucker, in cooperation with the Better Business Bureau of Chicago to help you recognize some of the schemes and rackets now making the rounds in Chicago. Business people are honest and fair with the public, almost 100%. But there is a small minority which presses on the unsuspecting public through petty schemes and rackets. Although these rackets are continually exposed and their perpetrators prosecuted, many continue year after year with new ones being concocted and old ones revived with a new slant. Guard against the racket. 
Don't let the expression, hello sucker, refer to you. Protect yourself. Listen to Chapter 5, The Big Build-Up on Hello Sucker. My name is Larry Gardner. This is a story of how I lost a lot of money. There may be different kinds of real estate schemes designed to fleece people of their money. Or perhaps a particular scheme I fell for is the only one. I don't know. All I know is there is one real estate racket going on right now. I want to tell you about it as it was worked on me. I want you to know about it so that you won't be a victim too. And you could be. That is, if you're truly desperate to escape from unpleasant living conditions as I was. Well, I'm not trying to make excuses. I realize now that I could have been smarter, a lot smarter, and more cautious. I, I can't blame Jane either. She was just over-anxious to move. That's why she was so happy and excited when she met me at the door the day the car arrived. Oh, Larry, honey. Oh, I could hardly wait till you got home. <laughs> What's all this about? I'm not used to being greeted this way. <laughs> oh, baby, your hands are cold. Hasn't there been any heat again today? And where's your sweater? Oh, you know, I told you... I'll get in a minute. First... I want you to read this card that came today. Look what it says. Oh, Larry, our own home. Oh, just think. If we could build a All house... right, calm down, Jane. It can't be that good. What card are you talking about? Here. See? From the Crenshaw Realty Company. Well, hold it still so I can read it. Money paid in rent is lost forever. Don't collect rent receipts all your life. Hmm, guess they know what they're talking well, about. Well, read the rest of it, Larry. Are you interested in building your own home? All you make is a small down payment, reasonable installment. If interested, just write your address and phone number on the other half of this card and return it to us. Oh, just think, Larry. Only a small down payment. Oh, it sounds wonderful. Yeah, but, but Jane, perhaps this company doesn't know that we're colored. We don't run into any... Oh, of them. course we do. See, it's addressed to you, Mr. Larry Gardner, at this address. Well, any real estate company would know from the section of the city where we're living. Oh, yes, I guess you're right. Well, Larry, you don't sound at all interested. Well, of course, I'm it. interested, honey. Mighty interested. So, hand him a fountain pen. I'm going to fill in the card and get in the mail tonight. It was just three days later that I received a phone call from the Crenshaw Realty Company. Hello? Hello. Is this Mr. Gardner, Mr. Larry Gardner? Yes. My name is George Finley, Mr. Gardner. I'm with the Crenshaw Realty Company. I'm calling about the card we received from you. Oh, yes. I was wondering when it would be convenient for you and your wife to look at some of our lots. There's one in particular that I'd like to show you. Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe it would be better if I talked with you first, a little before I actually looked at the property. You see, I There'll haven't... There'll be no obligation on your part, Mr. Gardner, if you just look at the property we are offering for sale. We feel that to talk first and then look is putting the cart before the horse. We want you to see for yourself just what wonderful values we have for sale. Then, if you're interested, we can talk prices. However, I assure you that our prices are astoundingly reasonable. Now, uh, if I picked you up in one of our cars, say, next Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock, would that be convenient? Saturday at 2? Why, yes, yes, that will be fine. And the following Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock sharp, we met Mr. Finley. Turn here, Albert. I want you to drive down this next street. Yes, Mr. Finley. We're almost to the location of the lot I want to show you, Mr. Gardner. 
But first, I want to give you some idea of the type of construction work we do. Uh, slow down here, Albert. I want these folks to get a good look at these houses we're passing. Now, you see there to the right, that row of beautiful homes? Oh, they're lovely. Crenshaw Realty Company built them a little less than a year ago. My, they, they're nice. Oh, Larry, look at that one. Oh, I wish we could have a home like that. Oh, and that one next to it. Oh, I'm, I'm afraid a house like that would be too expensive for us. Not at all. Why, would you believe it? There's not a house in that entire row that cost more than $11,000 complete. Except, of course, that big corner house, and that only cost $14,000. Well, even that sounds like an awful lot of money. I, not, I guess we... Not in the small, easy payments we accept. Uh, okay, Albert, you may speed up now. Why, say, I'll wager you folks spend more in rent over a few years' time than one of these houses costs. Well... I don't know. We do pay quite... Now, now, Mr. Gardner, not another word about financing or anything until you've seen the lot I'm about to show you. Uh, you can park right here, Albert. Yes, sir. Well, here we are, folks. We'll just get out of the car and go over and take a look. Here, let me help you, Mrs. Gardner. Well, how do you like it? Oh, oh it's... It, oh, I, I don't know what to say. Oh, if we could live in a location like this. Just about has everything, hasn't it? Nice view, boulevard on one side, vacant property on the other. Over there is a fine residential section. Now, uh, just step over here a moment. I, I want to show you the view from the south. So I thought now we'd drive on back to the office. It's just in the middle of the next block. I want to have you folks see our picture brochure of houses. I have a couple I particularly want to show you. Just made the order for that lot. Oh, yes, we want to see them. I I just hope we can afford to swing this. I know you can, Mr. Gardner. Here's the office. Now, if you folks will just go on in, I'll be with you in a minute. I have to give a few instructions to Albert. Sure, Mr. Finley. Come on, Jane. My purse. I must have left it in the car. I'll get it, honey. You go on in. No more cars I collect for the day now. Okay, here. I want ten bucks, too. What for? Well, your office never constructed that plant house. You had me drive past. Now, you listen to me, you... Oh, Gardner, I, I didn't see you. Excuse what me, Mr. Finley. I didn't mean to interrupt, but, uh... Well, my wife thinks she left a purse in the car. Well, we'll just take a look. Uh, did you see a purse in the back seat, Albert? Yeah. Here it is. Oh, thank you. Oh, uh, Albert, about that matter we were discussing, see me in the morning. Now, you wait in the car. I'm going in the office with Mr. Gardner. You say that's the house you think you like best, Mrs. Gardner? Mm, I think so. <laughs> it's so hard to tell. They're all so nice. Uh, let's see now. That's, uh, that's house number 57. Yes, yes, here's the description. Two-story duplex... Entire construction of brick veneer, six complete rooms, two baths, six closets, and a porch for each floor. A full divided basement. Priced at $11,000. Um, what kind of heat would it have? <laughs> Although I guess it doesn't really matter as long as there is heat. You'd have your choice of oil, gas, or stoker heat. Also, the house would have steel casement windows throughout, so there'd be no extra expense for storm windows. That sometimes is quite an item. Yes, I know. And then, and this will interest Mrs. Gardner. It will have a complete Youngstown kitchen outfitted with any stove and refrigerator that you select. Oh, 
I don't know what to say. It sounds so marvelous. And there would be marbleized linoleum on the floor. About and... the payments, Mr. Finley. I was just coming to that. Now, if you think you really want the particular lot you've just seen, and I certainly think that that is the lot you should have, we'd accept as little as, uh, say, $5 now on account. Then within 10 days or so, you could make the remaining payment of $390. We'd fix up the proper forms for you to sign, and the lot is yours. How's that sound? Oh, we could make that payment, couldn't we, Larry? Uh, with the money we've saved. Yes, I, uh... I think we could. But uh, that would only buy the lot. What would the payments on the house be, Mr. Fenley? Uh, they would be, well, now let me see, uh, including principal, interest, and insurance, uh, $395 for the lot, and, uh, uh, just, just $68 a month. Why, that, that's not bad at all. It's a lot less than we're paying now for rent. What did I tell you? A very reasonable transaction, Mr. Gardner. And all FHA approved, too. When would you start building the house, Mr. Fenley? Would we have to wait long? No, indeed. Construction on the house would start just 30 days after your lot is paid for. So you see, the sooner your lot is paid for, the sooner we start with the construction work. Larry, shall we buy it? You see this $5 building? Yes. Well, this is going to start buying us the first real home we ever had. For a few days after this, we were happy we'd ever been in our lives. Our new home was our main topic of conversation. Larry, we have more than $390 in the bank, haven't we? Of course, honey, you know that. We have $1,000. That much? Sure. Oh, I don't remember figures very well. well. But, Larry, if we have that much, why did you hesitate about the payment for the, for the lot? I didn't, didn't actually hesitate, Jane. I just didn't want to seem too anxious. I wish I was as clever as you are, Larry. Ah, oh, not Jane. I'm glad we have that much money. We'll need it to buy the furniture. We sure will, honey. And probably any more we can save, too. Yes. You know, I was... Oh, I wonder who that is. Why, Uncle Jason, come in. Thank you, sir. Good to see you. Uh, I figured it's about time you youngins had a visit for me. I'm glad to see you, Uncle Jason. Thanks, honey. Here, sit down. Oh, no, not, not bad. There's a leak sometimes in that corner. Uh, better sit here. Uh, Feeling good, sir. I've been here and you two figuring on building a house. I just dropped by to see if maybe I could give you some advice. Of course, you'd never take it, but uh, no harm in offer, sir. We really don't need any advice now, Uncle Jason. Our minds are pretty well made up. That's right. We're behind the nicest lot, and oh, when you see the house we're going to build. Oh, it's so wonderful. Oh, uh, here, look. See? Here's a picture of just how it would look when it's done. Say, two story frame in Oh, not that huh? one. Uh, this one above it, number 57, the six room, two story brick. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, looks good in the picture. Say, how y'all know you'll get the same house built for you? We know we will. We're dealing with a good company. The salesman seemed very reliable, didn't it, Jane? No, yes. And the company has very nice offices, and, well, they even call for you in a big car with a chauffeur to drive you out to see the lots they're selling. Don't sound good to me, Janie. Too much show. Oh, Uncle, you always are so suspicious of everything up north. No different than down south. You just get suspicious as you get older, that's all. Hey, look here. Here's this big lettering at the top of this here folder. Say... This is your dream house come true if you act now. <laughs> Too many fancy words. Oh, Uncle. Another thing. Another thing. I, I don't see no company name. No place on the folder. No prices. 
Keeping it awful funny. Company would go to the expense of getting out this fancy stuff with all them flowery words without, without putting a name to it. <laughs> Seems like they ain't very proud of the houses after they get them built. <laughs> You just don't trust anyone, Uncle Jason. You even had your doubts about Larry when I first met him. Oh, I say it, I'm always right. Well, if you want my advice in this case, I say don't have no truck with an outfit that puts on all that flash and then don't even show the name on their own folder. We didn't take the advice of Uncle Jason. Instead, less than 10 days, we were back at the office of the Quinshaw Realty Company, anxious to close the deal with him. And I'm glad to see that you've come in ahead of time to pay for your lot, Mr. Gardner. It's always well to pay the balance as promptly as possible, and then you know the lot is yours. Uh, I suppose you are here to pay the balance. Oh, yeah, that's why we're here. I have the money with me. Yeah. Good, good. Now, let's see. You owe $390. Yes. Uh, we paid you $5 on account, you know. That's right. Now, here's your contract all written up and ready for you to sign. This gives you complete ownership of the lot. You see, here's the amount you've paid, $395, and a complete description of the lot. Oh, yes, I see. Now, on page two, you'll find a description of the house we will build for you, and the amount of the monthly payments, which you will make when we commence construction on the house. You can read all that at your leisure. Now, if you'll just sign here, Mr. Gardner, we'll be all set. Here, here, use my pen. I always keep it handy for occasions like this. Okay, there we are. Now, everything's all legal now, and in black and white. Um, won't we uh, have to have a blueprint or something of the house? I was wondering how the rooms would be arranged inside. I'll make a note of that, Mrs. Gardner, and have one of our architects send you a sketch of the interior as soon as he can. Oh, thank you. That'll be fine. Now, I'll just keep one copy of the signed contract, and here's your copy, Mr. Gardner. Thank you, sir. And allow me to congratulate you both on making a very excellent selection for your new home. <laughs> Larry, do you realize that it's been over 60 days since we paid our money to Mr. Finley for our lot, and we've received no word from him at all about starting to build our house? Can't you call him or something? Oh, you're, you're just too impatient, honey. I've always heard that these things take longer than people expect. But he definitely promised us they'd start building 30 days after we bought the house. Yes, I know, but perhaps... But Larry, he hasn't even sent us a sketch of the interior of the house like he said he would. If you don't call him Larry Gardner, I will. Okay, honey, okay. I'll call him right now. What's his number? Here, I wrote it down for you. Crenshaw Realty Company. May I speak to Mr. Finley, please? Yes, just a minute. Finley speaking. Well, hello, Mr. Finley. This is Larry Gardner. Gardner? Oh, oh, yes, Mr. Gardner. Well, I was calling to ask uh, how soon you were going to start the construction work on our house. You see, it's been well, more... it's not so easy to obtain materials these days, Mr. Gardner. It will probably be another 30 to 60 days before any work can be started. 30 to 60 days? But you said that... Sorry, it was... but there's nothing we can do about it. Oh, Larry... When are we going to get out of this place and have a decent home? The noise, the filthy orders, the cold. Harry, I can't stand it much longer. Well, Jane, what's the matter with you? You know we're just marking time until our home is built. But we've waited so long now, Larry. Why, it's been four months since we bought the lot and work on the house hasn't been started yet. Oh, Larry, I'm afraid. Afraid of what? Jane, there's nothing to be afraid of. 
Mr. Finley has explained that with the present shortage of building materials and all that, it just Oh, takes... yes, but, well, there's something about this whole deal that frightens me. The way Mr. Finley keeps stalling you every time you call him. Look, he... I'm going to set your mind at ease, honey, and find out just for sure when the construction work will get started. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Tomorrow is Saturday. I'm going to that Crenshaw Realty Company first thing in the morning. And I'm not going to waste any more time talking to Mr. Finley. No, sir. This time, I'm going to talk to the highest official that come that I can get to. And so I'm sorry if I seem persistent, Mr. Adams, but I felt that if I could just talk to you, the president of the Crenshaw Realty Company... Uh, get I... to the point, please, Mr. Uh... Gardner, sir. Larry Gardner. Uh, and uh, why did you insist on seeing me, Mr. Gardner? Our salesmen usually handle all matters pertaining to property. Yes, I, I suppose so, but... Well, you see, we were promised that construction work would begin on our house 30 days after we bought the lot. It still isn't started, and I thought now, that... why should I be able to do anything about the construction of your home, Mr. Gardner? Well, I just thought perhaps you could do something to speed it up. I'm afraid I have no influence with outside contractors. I didn't mean any outside contractors. I mean the house the Crenshaw Realty Company is going to build for me on my lot. The lot I purchased from your company. Well, I'm afraid there must be some mistake, Mr. Gardner. Mistake? About our building your house. Oh, we even picked out the house we wanted from your brochure showing pictures of the houses you built. Oh, oh yes. As an extra service to our customers, our salesmen frequently show pictures of the various types of houses that can be put up for a reasonable price. But Mr. Fenley told well, us... We that... are not in the contracting business, Mr. Gardner. We're a real estate firm. Our business is selling lots. <laughs> What are we going to do now? We own a lot without a home. Well, don't you worry about that, honey. At least we do own a lot. And we still have $600 in the bank. I'm going to look up some contracting firms. We'll get a house built as soon as we can. Yes, we're contractors, Mr. Gardner, and we'll be glad to build a home for you. But on today's market, we couldn't possibly build the kind of a house you have in mind for only $11,000. It'll cost you more than twice that figure. <laughs> No, Mr. Gardner, we don't transact business on that basis. We have to have some cash for labor and materials. And we could probably build you some kind of a house for $11,000 if you have enough cash for the necessary down payment. Come back and see us if you can arrange for a large enough loan. I believe you said you wanted this loan, Mr. Gardner, so that you could build a home on your lot? Yes, that's right. Well, we've been checking on the location of your lot. You won't be able to build in that outlying section of the city for quite a while, I'm afraid. Why? What do you mean? Well, didn't you know that there are no sewers in that section yet? You wouldn't be able to get a building permit for that property. Well, Jane, it looks as though we're right back where we started from. Except that now we're a property owner. <laughs> a lot of good that does it. But it gives us something to look forward to. Someday we'll be able to build a home on that lot, and then I'm going to You're tell... right, Larry. Someday, someday we'll build our own house. Oh, wonder who that is. Mm, I'll go, honey. Here's a letter come for you today, Mr. Gardner. Got put in my box by mistake. Oh, thanks. Thanks very much. Always glad to see you, neighbor. Was that the man across the hall? Yes, he had one of our letters in his mailbox. I didn't know he knew my name. In addition, he probably knows your whole family history. Well, he ought to. These walls are so thin. <laughs> yeah. Well, open your mail, Larry. It looks important. Yeah, I guess it does. Good Lord. Larry, what is it? Bad news? 
I don't understand this. It's from the collector's office. And it's a bill for special assessments and back taxes on our property dating back to 1926. Oh, Larry. How, how much is it for? $950. <laughs> Now we don't know what to do, Uncle Jason. And this time we're asking for your advice. What do you suggest? Hmm. Uh, you and sure got yourselves in a fine kettle of fish. Well, oh, yes, man. I'd say go right back down to that Crenshaw place and get to the bottom of this. When a fight starts, son, and you're in it, you might as well get in it good. <laughs> So, Mr. Finley, I think this whole deal has been a fraud. Oh, come now, Mr. Gardner. That's rather a harsh statement to make. I don't think it's harsh enough. First, you led us to believe your company would erect a house on our property for us, and now all these back taxes and assessments on the property, it, it doesn't make a whole Well, problem. you know how it is with salesmen, Mr. Gardner. Sometimes we promise a little too much. But I haven't got the money to pay all those taxes. I'll tell you what, Mr. Gardner. I'm, I'm glad you came back to see me, because I think I know someone who can help you. About your taxes, I mean. You do? Yes. You see, actually, I didn't know about those taxes. I assumed, of course, that our legal department had cleared the title on the property. They can still handle that for you. So I'm going to turn you over to our attorney, Mr. Getz, and tell him personally to do everything he can to straighten out this matter. Oh, well, well thank you, Mr. Finley. Not at all, not at all. Now, if you'll just step across the hall with me, I'll introduce you to Mr. Getz. <laughs> Uh, as I was saying, Mr. Gardner, uh, I believe it'll be a simple matter for me, uh, as attorney for the Crenshaw Realty Company, to uh, file foreclosure proceedings to clear up the title on your property. Well, I'm sure glad to hear that, Mr. Getz. I've begun to think... Uh, that... You say that you could not possibly pay the $950 due? No, I couldn't. I only have about $600 in the bank. <clears throat> $600. I see. Uh, you understand, of course, that a legal procedure of this sort will cost you something. Well, no, I, I guess I don't know too much about these things. Well, I'll make a deal with you, Mr. Gardner. Uh, you pay me $495, and I'll see that you get a clear title to the property. And then you'll never have any more worries. And the property will be yours without any further expense. Sound reasonable? $495? That would... Take almost all my savings. Well, I'd say it'd be worth it to you. Perhaps you don't think so now, but that lot is in an excellent location. The day will come when that entire section will be built up, and your lot will then probably triple in value. Then if you didn't want to build on it yourself, you could sell it and make yourself a very nice profit. Now, sometimes it's well to look to the future. Yes, I, I suppose so. But I only paid $395 for the lot. I'm giving you good legal advice, Mr. Gardner. If you don't want to take it, that's up to you. Also, I'm saving you money. I'm offering to clear the title for you for a little more than half of what you owe in taxes. All right, Mr. Getz. I'll, I'll take your offer. I'll bring you the money tomorrow. <laughs> you pay that lawyer that money so that, well, so you wouldn't have to pay all those taxes on our lot? Sure, honey. Then, 
I don't understand this delinquent tax notice that came today. Does that mean that we still owe the taxes anyway? What? Let me see. Yeah. Yes, Jane, I'm afraid that's just what it means. They pulled their whole bag of tricks on me. And I fell for all of them. What a sucker. Well, honey, don't blame yourself, Joe. There must be plenty of others who've been fooled, too. I guess that folks like us have to learn that some things sound too good to be true. There are a lot of good, reliable real estate companies operating in Chicago. There are only a few, like the Crenshaw Realty Company, which deliberately try to cheat people by making false promises. One thing I learned, if you're spending a lot of money, get a lawyer. His reasonably priced advice may save you from becoming a real sucker. If you have no regular lawyer, call the Chicago Bar Association, and they will give you the name of a competent lawyer who specializes in real estate. Protect yourself. But you can be sure that the unethical real estate operator will protect himself by staying just inside the law. And when you sign any kind of a contract or bill of sale, don't take the salesman's word for it. Read it yourself. When you do complete a deal to buy property, always have the title checked before you pay out any money. And then inquire around about the public utilities available for service. Above all, check everything before you do business. Read everything before you sign. Don't let the suckers mean you when they say, Hello, sucker. Tonight's script was written by Madeline Peters and was based on information secured in cooperation with the Better Business Bureau of Chicago. All characters were fictitious. Any resemblance to any person living or dead is purely coincidental. Jane and Larry Gardner were played by Wesleyan Tilden and Fred Pinkard. Finley was played by Stan Gordon. Others in the cast were Arthur Peterson, Jeff Hugh, and Russ Reed. Hello Suckers, produced by Judith Waller, with direction by John Cowan. Special music written by Emil Soderstrom and Richard Shores, played by Adele Scott and Jose Bethencourt. Sound by Tom Evans, engineering by Jack Jenkins. John Conrad speaking. You're listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We've just heard a 1952 broadcast of Hello, Sucker, a radio show designed to warn consumers about the various scams being perpetrated in the Chicago area. This episode was called The Big Build-Up. Now, how about another form of cheating? We hear next a 1948 episode of the Burns and Allen Show in which... Gracie suspects George of cheating on her. George Burns and Gracie Allen. With yours truly, Toby Reed, B. Benadera, Dora Singleton, Don Bender, Tommy Bernard, Harry Lubin, the Maxwell House Orchestra, and Bill Goodwin. Today is quite a special occasion in the Burns home. It's George and Gracie's 15th wedding anniversary. And just to make sure that George doesn't forget it, Gracie begins dropping hints the minute he comes down to breakfast. 
Good morning, Gracie. Good morning, dear. Oh, how we danced on the night we were wed. You seem happy this morning. Well, I'm always happy on special occasions like birthdays and holidays. Say, that's right. Today is a special occasion. Oh, you remember? Of course. Happy Armistice Day. (laughs) Is this Armistice Day? Yeah, this is the day the Kaiser surrendered Germany. Oh, George. Yeah. Uh, this is the day my mother surrendered something, too. She let the cops take your old man, huh? <laughs> that wasn't what I meant. Oh, how we danced on the night we were wed. Da, 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 da. If that song reminds you of anything, stop the music. Okay. <laughs> oh, how we danced on the night we were wed. Stop da, the music. Yes. It reminds me of Al Jolson. <laughs> George, let's play a little game. I want to see if you can guess a certain number. Okay. Now, it's fun, George. Mm. I used to play with my brother, Willie. Now, add the number of Willie's fingers to the number of toes he has in one foot, and what do you get? Sixteen. Oh, that's silly. He's got ten fingers, and you do get sixteen, too. <laughs> well, subtract his head... And what do you get? Fourteen. Let's go back to stop the music. Mm. Look, uh, Gracie, it's it's a little early in the morning for music and games. Besides, I have to hurry to the bank. Now, how about some breakfast? Yes, dear. I have it already. Good. I could eat a horse. Oh, I wish you'd spoken sooner. I fried bacon. (laughs) I'll settle for bacon. Ah, here it is. Notice the way I have it arranged on your plate? Yes, it's twisted around to form the number 15. Mm Mm-hmm. Does that mean anything to you? Yeah, you fried it too limp. (laughs) After this, fry it crisp and make it an 11. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or 111. Three pieces. Or two ones. Yes. Uh, Speaking of food, George, remember that cook we had named Annie O'Toole? The one who was always making up verses? Yeah. Her name should have been Anniversary. <laughs> Anniversary? Yeah, oh, uh, how this we is too much. I'll see you later. <laughs> George, do you mean to say you knew all along it was your wedding anniversary? Oh, sure, Toby. And you deliberately ignored Gracie's hints? I had to. I want to surprise her. That's why I'm here at the bank. I'm going to draw out $100 and spend it all on Gracie. You better draw out $100 and 10 cents. What's the 10 cents worth? Smelling salts to revive her. <laughs> you, uh, I say you're studying to be another Bill Goodwin. <laughs> George, what are you going to buy for Gracie? Oh, something real fancy, Toby, like one of those black lace, uh, what you, what you call it, uh, what you call it. And then uh, as uh, an extra treat, I'll take it to Ciro's and... Excuse me, George. uh, You're next at the teller's window. Oh, yes. Um, I'd like to draw $100 out of my savings account, please. Yes, sir. Uh, Do you you want to see some identification? Oh, that won't be necessary. I know you're George Burns. Oh. Well, I'm drawing out $100 to spend on my wife. You are? Yes. I'd better see some identification. (laughs) (laughs) I admit that this is pretty unusual, but today is our 15th wedding anniversary, and... So I'm going to splurge and get us some fancy, uh, 
you know, understuff. Oh, lingerie. Uh, yes, some of those real expensive steppings. Teddy bears. Or, uh, or a chemise. Oh, Mr. Burns, women haven't worn those for years. They went out with the Charleston. The Charleston is out? Gee, what'll I do with Ciro's tonight? Well, you'd better take some woman with you when you buy your wife's present. I guess that would be a good idea. You... You seem to know what's right. I don't suppose... Oh, I'd be glad to help you, Mr. Burns. I'm off for lunch in ten minutes. Oh, swell. And I wonder if you'd be kind enough to keep the package until this evening. In that way, I can really surprise her. Why, certainly. Where shall we meet? In Vandalip's department store at the lingerie counter. And please, uh, don't feel embarrassed about this. After all, I probably look like your father. Why, Mr. Burns, don't let me hear you say that. No? No, and don't let my father hear you say it either. <laughs> See you in ten minutes. Come in. Oh, hello, Mrs. Vandalip. Hello, Mrs. Burns. I'm afraid I have some bad news. Really? What is it? My husband just telephoned me. He's the proprietor of Vandalip's department store. Well, that's not such bad news. <laughs> no, I haven't come to it yet. It's my husband's habit to wander through the various departments observing the customers. Well, prepare yourself for a shock. All right. About ten minutes ago, he happened to be walking about in ladies' lingerie. <laughs> Shocking. Oh, no. Please, let me finish. Uh, he observed your husband in ladies' lingerie. Judge, too? <laughs> Why, that silly man, he'll freeze. Uh, your husband was not wearing the lingerie. He was holding it up, looking at it. Oh, my goodness. He will freeze. <laughs> Mrs. Burns, please let me get to the point. Your husband was fully clothed. He purchased the lingerie for a very young, very attractive, very seductive young lady. Oh, I hope he knows my size. <laughs> Not you, my dear. The young lady who was with him. You mean George was buying lingerie for another woman? Precisely. Oh, that beast. And on our anniversary, too. Oh, this is your anniversary? Which one? Our 15th. Well, no wonder your husband is commencing to stray. He has reached the dangerous age. <laughs> the dangerous age? What's that? Well, after a man has been married 15 years, he begins to hunger for things not found at home. The grass begins to look greener in other fields. <laughs> but George never eats grass. <laughs> no, no, uh, you, you uh, still don't understand... Uh, there, there is another woman in your husband's life. She forms the well-known triangle. And with a shape like that, he likes her? <laughs> uh, Mrs. Burns... Oh, I can't believe Judge would do a thing like that. Oh, excuse me, Mrs. Vandalip. Hello? Yes. Who? Tell Mr. Burns what? Okay, I'll tell him. Well, you were right. George has a date tonight with that three-cornered woman. <laughs> he has? Yes. 
That was the head waiter at Zero's. He said, tell Mr. Burns his table for two had been reserved and his champagne would be ready. And he never does that for you. Oh, I'll say he doesn't. For her, champagne at Zero's. For me, root beer at Rexall's. <laughs> One glass with two straws. <laughs> and he pinches mine shut. <laughs> oh, oh, how can George do this to me? I've been a good wife. The meals are cooked. The clothes are washed. The floors are scrubbed. And I always compliment him when he gets through. Uh, yes. Well, I, uh... Oh, oh, here's your philandering husband now. Really? Yes. The old rake is on the front porch. No. I hope he trips over it. Uh, I'll slip out the back way. Good luck. Hello, Gracie. What's new? That lingerie you bought at Vandalip's department store. You know about it? Yes, and that table for two at Ciro's tonight. Oh, darn it, I didn't want you to find out. Oh, George, why are you doing it? Well, it's, it's time to have a little flame. <laughs> I haven't done anything like this for 15 years. <laughs> what, uh, what do you plan to do after you leave Ciro's tonight? Oh, I thought we'd drive through the park and neck. Oh, George, you couldn't. You'd be surprised. <laughs> well, uh, what will you do after that? Oh, we'll come back here and snuggle on the divan in front of the fire. You can rub my back. Uh, uh, won't it be a little crowded? Ah, <laughs> oh, it's a big divan. Oh, tell me, George, will this be the last fling? No. I thought, we, I thought we'd do it again Christmas. Oh, I can't listen to any more. Goodbye, George. Poor kid. She's so happy, she's crying. <laughs> he brazenly admitted the whole thing, Mrs. Vandalip. Oh, you poor dear child. What will you do? Well, I'll make George feel sorry for me so he'll give up the other woman and come back to me. Might work. Oh, sure. I'll take a gun and blow my brains out. <laughs> then we'll make up. But, Mrs. Burns, you can't live without. Br <laughs> yes, I guess you can. <laughs> uh, however, I advise against such drastic measures. Oh, but I've got to do something. Mrs. Vandalip, what did you do when your husband reached the dangerous age? Well, I didn't have this problem. You see, by the time we reached our 15th anniversary, we had a 12-year-old child. A child usually keeps the husband from straying. You, you mean if we had a 12-year-old child, George would stay home? Very likely. Oh, but then we'll have one. <laughs> I'll, I'll say to George that 12 years ago we had a child and, and I forgot to tell him. <laughs> uh, then uh, then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll hire a child actor to play the part. Mrs. Burns, your plan is implausible, impractical, completely devoid of credibility, and can lead only to catastrophe. Well, sure, it'll work like a charm. See you
but nobody's doing it now. But back about 25 years ago, the dance floors were crowded with folks doing the Charleston. And everywhere you went, people were humming and singing, Yes, We Have No Bananas or Barney Google. Another great American song hit came out about this same time. Irving Berlin wrote it. And popular as it is, I wonder if you can name this grand song when we play just the mellow harmony. Here's a further hint. Listen while we add this rich counter melody. We come closer to the full beauty of the song by blending in this vigorous rhythm. You know it yet? Well, you'll spot it instantly when we blend in the final musical part, the fine, full-bodied melody. Why, certainly, Irving Berlin's delightful hit, A Pretty Girl is Like a Melody. You can see, friends, how the American songs we all love and enjoy skillfully combine not one, but many fine musical parts. Are you Mrs. George Burns? Mm-hmm. Oh, and you must be the children I ordered from Mrs. Dingle's School of the Drama. That's right. I'm Arthur Bradley. And I'm Marilyn March. Well, I hope you can handle the job I want you for. It'll take some very good acting. We'll do our best, Mrs. Burns. We're both studying hard to be thespians. Oh, well, now that's a smart idea. If you can't be actors, you've got another trade to fall back on. <laughs> but actors are thespians. Oh, really? <laughs> it's a small world, isn't it? <laughs> uh, what's the job that we're supposed to do? Oh, I want you to be my husband's children. You want me to be his son? And me his daughter? Yes. The other way around might not be convincing. <laughs> uh, you see, I hired both of you because I don't know whether my husband would prefer a son or a daughter. So uh, one of you will hide in the closet and one in the den. And whichever door he opens, that one steps out. That's right. Step out and say, hello, Daddy. Say it clearly and distinctly. Oh, don't worry. We have trained voices. Listen to this. How now, brown cow? Uh, I think hello, Daddy would make a better... <laughs> unusual job, Mrs. Burns. Would you mind telling us why you want us to do it? Oh, well, you're too young to understand. I'm trying to hold our home together because my husband has reached the dangerous age. Oh, you mean he's at the stage of masculine development when the urge for emotional stimulus overbalances normal discretion. Oh, I knew you were too young to understand. <laughs> so, uh, just be his children and don't ask questions. Gee, will he believe that I'm his daughter? I probably don't look a bit like him. Well, I don't look like him either, and he believes that I'm his wife. <laughs> Marilyn's right, Mrs. Burns. It won't be easy to fool your husband. Maybe we'd better not try. Oh, you can do it. You see, he's not as smart as I am. In that case, we'll try it. Uh, good. Mrs. Burns, how long do you expect us to carry on this deception? Oh, not long. As soon as George is convinced that he's your father, you can leave. What if he won't let us go? Well, he can't stop you. He's not your father. <laughs> you mean we don't 
just disappeared? Well, sure. By the time he gets through looking for you, he'll be past the dangerous age. Very well, Mrs. Burns. Now, let's have a rehearsal. Now, well, what do you say when you see him, Arthur? Hello, Daddy. And you, Marilyn? Hello, Daddy. Oh, my, what wonderful actors. You've already learned your lines. <laughs> oh, it's nothing that Gary Cooper couldn't have done. Well, now, you children, make yourselves comfortable until we see my husband coming. I'll go make a pot of coffee. That always puts him in a good humor. Oh, Mrs. Burns, just one question. When your husband asks us where we've been for 12 years, what do we say? I think that would be a good place for How Now, Brown Cow. <laughs> Mrs. Burns, here comes your husband up the wall. Oh, all right. Quickly, into the den, Marilyn. And you, Arthur, here in this closet. Okay. Oh, I hope being a father will keep George at home. Hello, darling. Where have you been? The cigar stall. Oh, I'm glad you got some cigars. They'll come in handy. Now, sit down and drink this nice hot cup of Maxwell House coffee while I tell you something. Okay. What is it? You're a father. <laughs> what? You're a father. Well, don't just sit there. Offer me a cigar. <laughs> Gracie, are you trying to tell me that we have a baby? Oh, of course not. Oh. We have a 12-year-old child. A 12-year-old child? Yes, yeah. Remember 12 years ago when you went on a vaudeville tour and I couldn't go because I had the flu? Yeah. Well, since I was in bed anyhow, I decided to have a baby. <laughs> Wait a minute. If we had a child 12 years ago, why didn't you tell me? I just did. Why didn't you tell me sooner? Oh, oh, I forgot about it. You know how little things can slip a woman's mind? You call that a little thing? It was when it was born. Now, Gracie... Yeah, there's it... someone at the front door. I'll get it. I need a breath of fresh air. Hi, George. Hello, Bill. George, you're white as a sheet. And you're trembling and glassy-eyed. Gee, you look like a zombie. I, I hardly recognized you. Really? Yeah, it's a great improvement. <laughs> Bill, I've just been through a terrific emotional experience. What's that? Well, I was sitting down drinking a cup of Maxwell House coffee when suddenly Gracie told me we had a child. Can you imagine the sensation I felt? Gracie said she had she had a baby 12 years ago and didn't tell me about it. Well, that's possible. Bill, to do a thing like that, a woman would have to be as crazy as... Yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> sure. I just think, George, you'll be able to see that little child take its first step. Speak its first words. At 12? <laughs> like father, like son. <laughs> By the way, is it a son or a daughter? Gracie didn't say. Well, come on, let's ask her. Oh, Bill, the whole thing is fantastic. Even Gracie couldn't Hi, do it. Hi, Gracie. Oh, hello, Bill. George tells me he's the father of a 12-year-old child. Is it a boy or a girl? Which would you like, George? <laughs> I have a choice? Well, which would you have preferred 12 years ago? A boy. 
In that case, open the closet. A son is in the closet? What's, what's he doing in there? He's being punished for running away 12 years ago. <laughs> that's, that's why you've never seen him. He joined the army. That's impossible. He was a tiny infant. Sure, he joined the infantry. Infantry, I think. <laughs> now, open the closet and meet your son. You open the closet, Bill. I haven't got the strength. Okay, George. Hello, Daddy. Not me, kid. <laughs> oh, no, no. Uh, this man is your daddy. Oh, pardon me. Hello, Daddy. Hey, wait a minute. I've seen this kid in pictures. You have? Well, isn't that wonderful? He can support you when you're too old and feeble to work. <laughs> yeah, hand him your paycheck, kid. Now, Bill, get out of here and take Junior with you. You can't be my son. He's an actor. Well, maybe he takes after Gracie. Goodbye, comedian. So long, Daddy. Come on, kid. Gracie, why do you do these things to me? I did it to save our home, that's why. To keep you from buying lingerie for that other woman. What? Oh, you can get things for her, but not for your wife. Last week, I, I saw a pair of shoes I wanted, and you told me not to buy them. But, Gracie... For two cents, I'd take them out of my closet and throw them at you. <laughs> Honey, if you're talking about the girl at the bank, she helped me pick out the lingerie as an anniversary surprise for you. I thought you knew all about that. Oh, a likely story. Well, I'll, I'll call her over and have her explain. I won't listen to her. Anything that hussy says will go in one ear and out the other. I might as well have a hole in my head. <laughs> might as well, she says. <laughs> I'll call her anyhow. Mrs. Burns. Here's the lingerie wrapped as a gift with your name on it. See, Gracie? I only went with your husband to keep him from making a mistake. He wanted to buy you a chemise. Oh, that would have been a mistake. We have no room for a pet. <laughs> well, anyway, Gracie, you owe Miss Emery an apology. Oh, well, I apologize, Miss Emery. I thought you were trying to steal my husband. Oh, I assure you I would never do that. Well, don't smile. Any woman would steal a man as handsome as George. Oh, I'm sure they would. <laughs> now, it's nothing to snicker about. Just just look at that physique. <laughs> I am looking at it. <laughs> now, stop that. Have you ever seen shoulders like that? <laughs> no, I never oh, have. Neither have I. Uh, uh, <laughs> He's terribly strong. Uh, girl. Yes, he is. Break it up. All right, that's enough now. This day has been too much for me. I'm going in the den and get some rest. Hello, Daddy. Oh, no. George and Gracie will return in just a moment. George Burns, Gracie Allen, Bill Goodwin, Harry Lubin, the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Toby Reed. And now, here are our stars. Happy anniversary, Gracie. Oh, same to you, George. And thanks for the lingerie. It's beautiful. Did you enjoy dancing at Sarah's? Oh, yes. What was that dance you did? Well, I found out that Charleston was old-fashioned, so I did some up-to-date stuff. That was the varsity drag. <laughs> 
Did you like it? Oh, yes. But next time, try a little more boxy and a little less drag. The George Burns and Gracie Allen Show is written by Paul Henning and Keith Fowler. And you're listening to WSHDLP Esport. That was a 1948 episode of the Burns and Allen Show, entitled 15th Wedding Anniversary. And we remind you that WSHDLP Esport is a non-commercial station and does not endorse any products. Take that tombstone off my grave, cause I'm coming up tonight. And I'm gonna haunt you, darling, cause you ain't been doing right. Now you promised that you'd wait till we met up there above. But they hardly had me planted when you found a brand new love. That ain't right. No, no, no. That ain't right. No, no, no. Hanging round that you joint every night. While you're up there running round, while I'm burning up in this cold ground, that ain't right. No, no, no. That ain't right. No, no, no. Take that tombstone off my grave. I don't like that epitaph. Where it says I'm your beloved, it's enough to make me laugh. Now I know you never cared from the way that you behave. When I think of how you fool me, I keep turning in my grave. That ain't right. No, no, no. That ain't right. No, no, no. Spending my insurance every night. While you're dancing in the groove, why I'm so stiff that I can't move. That ain't right. No, no, no. That ain't right. No, no, no. That's mighty white And I'm gonna do some calling At a certain house tonight When you think you're all alone well, I'll come floating through the air And I know I'll find another Sitting in my favorite chair Now that ain't right No, no, no That ain't right No, no, no You can't alibi your way tonight Though I said I'd die for love I didn't need that extra shove that ain't right. No, no, no. That ain't right. No, no, no. And that was Riley Shepard, the cowboy philosopher, in 1946. Take that tombstone off my grave. Thank you, my dear friends. This concludes today's show. On behalf of around the world staff of researchers, recording engineers, interns, and Victrola technicians, this is Cracklin' Jane. 
thank you and see you next week.